0: I'm not going to do the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bow down. You're going <laughs> to bow down.
1: <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome. We are Irenicast. I'm Jeff.
0: It's your boy, Alan.
2: I'm Bonnie. It's Casey. This is Rajiv.
0: On the first and third Tuesday of every month,
2: we bring to
3: you our perspectives on theology and culture.
4: From a post
1: evangelical lens, thank you for joining us for another conversation to provoke your progressive Christian imagination. This week, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, hold up. This is neither the first nor the third Tuesday of the month. It is, in fact, the fifth Tuesday of the month. We've had a series of interviews, a series of irregular episodes, and that we wanted to make sure that we kind of had an extra episode, a, a summer summer bonus, so to speak. Summer Bonanza. A summer bonanza. That is a it. A summer
3: exposure.
1: A summer exposure. I like that too. Uh, let's put on our earhole sunscreen and get into <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> all right. So, uh, so is, the, all is that this to how say, we're starting it off? This is oh my an God. extra episode. That is all about making Alan uncomfortable. So we're going to throw in Actually, as many.
0: Actually, that's not far off. So I think we're, we're starting in the right, on the right foot. We might I be. love you guys.
1: So those of you that are new, thank you for joining us. And those of you who've been with us for a while, you know that we, before we had this series of interviews, great interviews, by the way, don't forget to go back and check those out. Um, we had a, I guess, a relationship series that we t- we did. We talked about the self. We talked about our our given community. We talked about family dynamics, uh, the Rambob family. Had an amazing conversation about what it was like for, for their children to go through deconstruction. And then we finished it off with the idea of chosen community, how we engage with community that we choose, whether it's church or friends or family. In the midst of that conversation, we started a conversation where we talked about, well, where is God in all of this? Where is God in community? And we figured this would be a good opportunity to kind of uh, – what's the thing called where you put like, a, like an ending note on a story? What's the, is it epilogue? Is it a footnote?
0: the inclusio include no that's not Latin. right
1: it's an epilogue isn't it no it's an epilogue, epilogue. yes okay.
0: but inclusio is a great it means like the bookend the beginning and the end you know
1: so this is an epilogue and we're gonna <laughs> <laughs> and we're also introducing a brand new segment that's kind of the opposite of theological probably more heretical than anything else and we're going to call it praise protest or pray to and we'll get into that uh on the other side of this conversation so Let's kind of lay the foundation for this week's uh, episode. We talked about community and stuff like that, but where does God fit in that? So we're going to get a little theo- theological this this week.
0: In the, in the midst of all of us talking where we got sidetracked and then it was like, hey, this is a whole nother conversation was around the question of whether God does anything or whether God is active and how God is active. And I feel like this could be a really cool and fruitful discussion because – kind Of progressing progressive Christians go in very different directions when it comes to this topic, and I think it, I think there's some like there's a lot of movement in the theological world kind of sorting out this question, and I think it's on all of us to kind of figure out where we're at, and uh, it's exciting. So, I'm just curious, kind of where everyone is. When I think it was Rajiv, he several times now in the last uh series of episodes like balked at the question of does God. Do something? Like, what that phrase does it carry baggage or a weight that shouldn't be there? Like, and so I've felt very similarly too that when I hear people say God did something, like I have this immediate reaction of what does that communicate and like how much does that bring with it? And then you wonder, well, what does God do if God does anything?
2: Yeah, I think the questions, it's a hard question. It's hard to relate to. Does God do something? Because I don't imagine God as a doer i think god tends to creation
4: it my, my big problem with the question does god do whatever is it it's too anthropocentric you know we've tried to superheroize god that just doesn't work so that i just struggle with the nature of the question itself it limits god to doing stuff
0: Yeah, I I think like saying anything about God is limiting and all of our language is anthropocentric. I don't think like you have a valid like that's a that's a really good critique of kind of the way that we've always envisioned God. But if we don't have language for something different, like.
4: Yeah, I'm not saying we shouldn't ask questions, but I think when it comes to God in particular, we should also not expect to have concrete answers. Because if we did, eh, then that God sort of not a whole lot. Don't you think God would relate to us in our language, though? Like,
0: if God's a, re- a relational God, maybe God's not. But if God is relating in some way to creation, wouldn't wouldn't you speak the language of the thing that you're relating with and try to find some sort of common ground?
4: Yeah. It, it, then I mean, I'm I'm jumping in again, but then it, it's it stays in that anthropocentric framework. Yeah, and
1: then that language. Is not defined ever by God's self anyway. So how, like, does God have a language other than what we see and experience? And anything else is language that we've imposed upon God?
3: Well, that, I think that that would have been the question that I started with is how do you experience God? Some of us, you may even say you don't experience God, right? I mean, so uh, backing up and saying, where do you experience God? I think, is a better place to start before we get to does God do you know so how
4: how would you answer that Casey
3: I would say that I experience God in mystery and wonder when I stare up at the stars I think I've talked to you guys about this before there's something about standing in front of the infinite that's pretty overwhelming so I encounter God in, in the mystery and the vastness of creation I encounter God in people in my connection to them I mean, I could articulate that as love also. Anytime that I've I felt like I've encountered the presence of something holy, I've been in moments where I feel like my breath has been taken away, you know? So that's how I encounter God. I encounter God in the mystery and wonder of creation, and I encounter God in the love of people, in the showing up for.
0: (laughs) So in what way is God, like, operative in that?
1: I, I I'm curious to hear everyone else's answer to that specific question of how you experience God before we get too far into the weeds, uh, just so that kind of we have a base of how people experience that. So let's hear it, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at this point, I'm my my, my insights are drawn to what Casey was saying. Uh, that it's it's much more experiential. I feel like part of my deconstruction, part of my moving into a new way to view God, I have a hard time. Well, not hard time. I can't anymore relate to human metaphors for God. Person, king, warrior, mother, any any human form. It just doesn't make sense to me. It 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 breaks down. So I I guess I just when I experience any kind of goodness, I'll just call that God, or like, I love what Casey said, the holy, like that, that idea of something that just doesn't have, doesn't have words, but is very tangible it because you, you feel it, it's present all the stuff that we talked about leading up to this conversation in terms of our relationships. Like, I think that that's where I experience God uh, is in relationships, in connection, in connection to, to, to people in connection to the, the, the place around me times where I feel connected to something greater uh, and that anything that pushes me inward is what I would describe
3: you, pushes you inward or pushes you outward.
1: Anything, anything that pushes me inward that I would use the words of like, I feel far away from God oh. T- to, to, to sever any kind of connection would be a lack of God. So maybe God exists in the connecting point.
0: Mm. I, I understand and appreciate that because like, Much of my spirituality is mystic, but at the same time, I feel like it's also very incarnational. Incarnational, to use like a seminary term from back in my evangelical days, is like speaking the word love is actually very much an okay represent a very much uh, a representation of who God is. Like I, I feel like God inhabits our world in such a way that I can speak about God and that I can experience God in certain things. I, uh, from a time when I was a little kid, like even when the wind would blow on my face, like I, I, I experienced God looking at like the trees and looking outside and I like feel this interconnection of all of it. And maybe connection is the the right, the right way to go. Yeah, I Because so like too. when I've looked at other people, I've always known, like even in passing at school and stuff to recognize, like, we are all interconnected because of God. Like God is this thing that like this reality that we all exist inside of was just kind of a, a big part of my experience of the world. But I've also experienced God in like a special, messy kind of way that doesn't fit just this power that connects everything, but that actually has like interactions in my life with me in a, in a personal way.
1: So Bonnie, how about you? How do you experience God?
2: Um, I think. I, there was a period of time when i was transitioning from my evangelical spirituality or my fundamentalist spirituality to i wasn't sure what was next to i was on very shaky ground what i would say i didn't experience god i i i experienced an absence of god and um even absence is in relationship to something but um i just remember feeling very lost during that, that period of time. And, uh, people will often want to tell me, Oh, God was still there. You just didn't have the experience or, you know, the, the foot, what is that?
1: The footprints in the sand. Yeah,
2: I had a lot of folks who, who told me that. Um, and that, that wasn't at all true to my experience. It was, it was most definitely an absence So, I experienced God in a reappearing that came down the road in part of my journey. And it wasn't, it wasn't connection for sure. I mean, I think God is all about connection, but it was in a silent connection with something deep inside of me. So, um, I would say that I experienced God both in connecting with something that defies language inside of me, as well as by reaching out and looking for that same sort of thing in everybody else that i meet and when i'm open to an awareness that every creature on the planet has something deep inside that is like god's dna or something it's very powerful and often i'm closed off to that i think i think that's the cha- that's the work of the spiritual life is to remain open right to that
4: preach yeah i don't have i gone yet on this no. 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 Okay. As far as like how do where do I experience God? I I would say I experience God when I have the opportunity to be touched by or behold beauty. For me, the most moving example of beauty is when I hear about or witness empathy. Without some sort of divine lure, empathy doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And and so for me that's a it, it's just there. It's like, okay, there's that's that's how God shows up for me.
0: I just want to like posit something because I too have experienced the beyond language thing. And I'm very like, that's my home to think about God is beyond that. But if God is inhabiting all the connections that, that you all speak of and that sense of wonder, I wonder if God can inhabit language too, especially when it's spoken from a certain place and received in a certain way. I wonder like, if God is actually crazy present in a lot of the different languages that we have when we speak about God so I I'm I'm interested in like the arc of my experience has been letting go a lot of definitions that I've been told I had to have and then re-entering into the world of spirituality and realizing like God's actually very present in a lot of it. like yeah, there's baggage around things. every metaphor has something that's true and not true and you need to let go of the things that are not true. but I experience God to be... Extremely imminent. Um, My love language, quote unquote, you know how they have the different love languages, touch, word, this, that. Mine is is words, words of affirmation. So it's no surprise to me that that's how I experience God. But you you know how when you hear someone speak and you can almost put your finger on that and be like that right there, what you just said in this place to that person, to these people, like there's something divine about that. And I feel like, like
3: everything that Bonnie says?
0: <laughs> yes, like everything that Bonnie says or Bonnie, Casey, and Raj, they all preached at my ordination. And like I, I wanted to be like, yes, like right there, whatever it is, and it, you know, you, you you feel it. And I've had that with Jeff at camps too. And um I'm only worried about losing language and having like a disposition in myself to be against people using language to describe God or to not like no longer attempting to even connect with it because in like literary critique, right? If you don't have a a word for something, it doesn't exist. Like if like there are the things in your world, you only see them and interact with them because you have some sort of language, cultural language built up around it that kind of codes codifies our perception. And I wonder like if, if if we're not actively creating new language and trying our best like, are we losing God? Are we losing God in the enchantment of creation? Like that, we are. I mean, as a society, we have moved in a very empty direction as far as like divinity goes. Right, that God is not there. If there is a God, God kind of just spun everything and set it off uh, to exist somehow apart from God and not in this connection. So, I don't know. I just have all these questions and am wondering what you all think about that when you're struggling with words and.
3: I can't stand up there every Sunday and just basically not give clarifying representation to God, right? Like literally I would just stand up there for an hour and be quiet. Like I might do that I might as well become a Quaker. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we'll <laughs> just so sit cool. here in the silence. So what I attempt to do is to just give it my best shot and to try my best to um to take the language that has been given to us and try to untangle it from some of the messiness of its past, while also seeking to bring alive things that I think are still worth keeping. I mean, that's that's really all we can do. But the question was sort of from the beginning, like, theologically, where do we stand? Or how do we navigate this? And I think the way we navigate this, in some ways, is, is different than asking how we present this to the world,
0: right? I don't know. It's not all that we can do. We could say God's unknowable, And we could stop preaching. We could stop. Uh,
3: But see that,
1: I think that's that to me, that's the problem is that for some reason we've created this binary of word and experience and you can't you can't separate those two. It's not saying that we're having right. that you're having language. I think that where we're all coming from is that if you didn't have the right language, that is part of a pendulum swing that you're rebelling against language and incorporating and folding in experience because the re- the language was not a representation of experience. The language was supposed to determine your experience, and that yes. was the problem: is that they weren't they weren't intertwined, they weren't working together, they weren't one expression of the. Other, there wasn't this, you know, divine dance or whatever we want to call it. It was hear the right words, hear the right things to think. And then your action should flow from that as opposed the other way. Like our whole scripture is based off of people's experience first and then them putting words and stories and narrative to that. And I think that words right. are less valuable than rhetoric, than story, than narrative, than art, than poetry. Like our words are pliable and those genres of our words represent that. But theology, the way that it's been taught to us and not just us as evangelical Christians, but even as as Catholics, or basically as white religions that have dominated the world for the past, you know, 2000 years, is that this is the way and that anything outside of this and that's the problem is that 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 we've hold we've held we've We've beheld those words too tightly instead of allowing them to be flexible. And we've taken away the power of what you're talking about. We've taken away the power of word. And I disagree wholeheartedly that we've moved away where we've thrown words away and we're further away from where God is. I think we have much more language to talk about who God is now and that spirituality and the divine are much more present in our world today than they were even 10 years ago. Because I think those binaries are being broken down in the way that, that language is being um, unfolded in our society today.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't say we're further away from God. That's right. Just to clarify, I was saying that like our no, cultural lost like, inclination is to not use the divine as any sort of like –
1: But I don't agree with that. I don't think – I think our I think our inclination is the opposite. I think that we're more and more clinging to the divine because we have more we have more vines to grab because we have more language.
0: Well, I I mean, like, 15, uh, 500 years ago, th- there was – everyone saw the world as, like, this enchanted place with God very present. And in the last 200 years, there has been a shift to experience the universe as a thing on its own, as a collection of forces and par- particles of matter that are governed by certain laws and that you didn't, didn't necessarily need a divinity. Like, that's just a historical uh development over the last 200 years. I think
3: that's like an, an- – I think that is a broad generalization.
0: Sure. Okay. So Western philosophy and thought, um, European culture. From thought makers, but not
1: from people. They were just living their lives 500 years ago trying not to get the black plague. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't – I don't think –
0: I'm talking about thinkers and philosophers and writers and people who are like culture creators, things like that. You can easily trace people's uh, uh, thought – development over the last 500 years that has moved in that direction. And yeah, we are seeing a return to a lot of things. Um, And one other thing, just, just to say like, yes, state Christianity is a white thing, but Christianity itself, just to clarify, like, is not a white religion. It's, it wasn't for a long time. Um, It became that hundreds of years right after.
1: But the vast majority of the language we use today is what our theology, like our, our basic "Quote unquote oh, Christian America, theology and, that and has Europe, developed. Yeah. It absolutely is.
0: You know, I no, I, I get that. It, I just wanted. It's a small semantic thing, but someone listening to this maybe not like. There's just tons of Christianities out there, and there have been Christianities all along in places that are not white that have a very different perspective right
1: and i think for the first time in forever we're actually rediscovering those things and that's why i think we're in a better place
0: (laughs) rediscovering is also kind of a weird word like well i know why people are rediscovering like their connection
4: i think the notion that there weren't skeptics in the past is maybe a mistake
0: yeah i didn't say there were there weren't skeptics what i was trying to say is culture in general society western society in general has like a flavor to it that has changed over the last 500 years
1: but I would say that that's, if that's because That's not
0: defensible. Like I don't But I would say that's, that's because
1: it's it's harder and harder to suppress voices. And that it's not to say that those voices weren't there, but that they weren't allowed to speak.
0: I think that, like uh, so Alistair McGrath is a like of a, a thinker and church historian and he's a professor at Oxford or whatever. Uh he talked about like um uh basically There was this need for structure, um, in like the medieval era, all the way up until the enlightenment, for the universe to be a governed and ruled thing beyond religion, because there were crazy religious wars that were wrecking the entire world, all of like the European world. They were fighting, um, Protestants and Catholics and they were killing people. And as philosophers, uh, started like, And scientists started discovering that there are these natural laws like Newtonian physics and things like that, that the universe is governed not by spiritualities and deities, but by these laws that are kind of constant. Every time you look at them, there was this desire to culturally there's appetite grew for a universe that was devoid of a God who had like special action in the world, if that makes sense. And so, yeah, they still had spiritual – I'm not saying they weren't spiritual beings. I'm not saying they didn't have like a form of, of religion or a different like flavor of, of things. I'm just saying that that has been a shift in intellectual and Western cultural thinking for a really long time. That that That's not the only way to look at the universe, but I'm just saying like that's how it was for a long time. And now, interestingly enough, science and the humanities and biology are actually giving us like tons of other – of other ways of looking at the universe that are not necessarily like that, that are not as determinist, d- deterministic.
1: I think the reason I pushed back, it felt like you were mourning that move.
0: No, oh no, no, no! Like I don't care. <laughs> I like I maybe think it I was did,
1: did taking like, that way, I th- I, I felt right. like expressing that. Yeah, like I,
4: a, I was starting to feel like I was back in my old church.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. That, that's unfortunate because, like, I feel like we could talk about this stuff without having all this personal buying in it. Like. And I, and I'm, I'm frustrated because I can never like clearly articulate a big part of my, my spirituality is humanism is stepping back and being like, I'm not going to use a religion to explain any of this. Like, I'm not going to use God to explain any of this or spirituality. I'm going to look inside of the meaning that of making of human beings and our research and our science. And that's what's really going to guide kind of where I'm at. Like Vonnegut is one of my patron saints and he was an atheist. I'm okay. Like with cultural shifts and stuff, I just think if we've moved culturally to a place where we have a distaste for anything that god like any kind of action that's divine because we pit it against the rational to me that that right there is a conversation worth looking at again because we have no, more science because we have like developments in human thought and philosophy in the last even like 50 years that give us a good kind of change of conversation around that.
2: And and scientists are using language like God language to describe things that are not definable often are defined or interpreted as God within the scientific community. Because, you know, if we use our rational minds, you can't prove or disprove God. You can only wonder.
0: Because you could you could do both. You could prove God every time something happens, or you could prove God doesn't exist every time something happens because it's like the interpretive lens that you're using, for sure.
2: I mean, what I hear you saying, Alan, and I might be wrong, is that um, you'd like to bring God back into rational language rather than have God removed.
0: Yes, that's part of it. And also to to question our perception of the universe as this like – neutral thing on its own that can only be perceived as forces and matter that are interacting and nothing else that there is devoid of meaning in, in any way that is one way to look at it, but it's a very human cultural development that led us to think of it that way. If that makes sense, like as far as the, the scientific stuff I'm talking about, there's indeterminacy at the very bottom of, of the universe, like quantum indeterminacy says that genuine chance exists like at the bottom that things are not necessarily just determined forever and people, scientists fall on one, one side or the other. And theologians are saying that could be a place where God in, interacts with the world is in this place that we don't even have access to. That's at the basis of all of existence. And it's a long conversation. We have to get into, into all of it right now, but there's bottom up causation and, and top down causation. Like, um, where where does meaning exist where does god exist like it's a it's a layered thing that i think is really interesting there are forces that exist that are probably beyond just materialist explanations that there's an emergence of something that can affect the downward
2: but do those forces have to be be explained rationally
0: uh, no, like, it, yeah it's just, it's just an anal- it's an analogy for god so if god does interact with the world and so this this is my question like if there is divine action that's the theological question. Does God interact with the world in a meaningful way? I've heard so far God's a lure. God shows up in connection somehow. If God is interacting with the world, where does that take place and how does it happen? That's a legitimate in question. In us. Or yeah, in, in us, uh, like like influencing us, like the Holy Spirit or
3: so I every Sunday say God has no feet but ours, no voice but ours, no hands but ours. And I believe that that we that we are working with God to create this meaning, this cause that you're talking about. Like that's how God shows up,
0: and that would like that would square with the idea of uh that Bonnie was talking about, right? That God lures us. So, so here's the here's gosh. my question: is is creator?
1: Are you saying that that meaning is universal? That it that it is implicitly there, and that everyone just needs to see it?
0: No, I, th- I no, I think there's lots of when I say meaning, I think there's a lot like working in my CPE uh experience, interacting with other people's spirituality. I think we do create meaning, like we create spiritual realities ourselves as people. Um, so you
1: can't like create meaning ideas. within rational thought.
0: No, yeah, I'm trying to can. understand
1: the difference between Be- what between. Sorry, I think I'm 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 trying to understand the difference between observing a natural phenomenon and. Uh, where where meaning is injected and why that observation itself isn't meaning because I feel like what what drives us is meaning like where we're wired for meaning even if we ha- are having these you know you know quote unquote binary irrational thoughts like the, even the whole dichotomy and the whole like juxtaposition of like rational and emotional like it right. makes no sense to me anymore it, right. it's right and that
0: and that's what I'm actually saying is like that's a good shift and that actually opens up us to talk about this whole topic in ways that people haven't talked about it for like the last 200 years. That's what I'm trying to, that's what I'm trying to say okay. is that developments and like breaking down some of the binaries in philosophy and neuroscience and, uh, and quantum physics are like gives us tools to actually talk about like where, where God exists in connection with the universe and like good analogs. Like what, what I'm hearing and correct me if I'm wrong, like God upholds the universe in, in all of your all minds um, in in your perspective, God doesn't like answer unique individual prayers in a way that God like intervenes somehow in the natural order no or or no. is that question itself even no. like set up incorrectly? That would be
4: that would it would just that makes absolutely no sense if God is a God of everybody if God answers prayers in that way. What are kids doing in jail in concentration camps on our border? That's a great question.
2: You know, I like, I think of God as paying attention. That's one way. And, and I that what Jeff talked about, that motivation, the meaning that drives us, I I would say that that is probably also God or it's divine somehow. It's connected to divinity, that motivation towards meaning and purpose and, you know, doing good in the world. But, you think about all the prayers that are out there, and if God is paying attention to every single aspect of creation all the time, there's going to be some contradictory prayers, right? Yeah,
0: e- exactly. And and that would definitely explain some of the, like, not explain. I don't want to say explain. Um, like, if you look at the system as a whole, and if God is causing top-down things, like, you wouldn't actually be able to detect what God is doing in breaking the laws of physics or anything like that but it could be affecting everyone from the top down it's like a really philosophical
3: i have a a really hard time uh with uh, with top down language for god and and i don't know i don't know what it is about about you saying that i don't i don't imagine god to be top down you know Yeah. Um, I don't imagine God to be a top, I guess. God's clearly a (laughs) bottom. Yeah. And I'm not
0: saying it's like a monarchy or um, it's like a hierarchical thing. It's like the language of causality of of, um, connected events. I think a lot of this comes out of my Trinitarian theology. Like I am Trinitarian. So I do believe God does act in the world. Like Jesus living and existing and being was God acting in the world. Um, in a, in a very specific, unique way. I believe that God does like answer prayers. And that's why Jesus taught his followers to pray and ask for things that they needed and have that relationship. And I feel like all of Jewish tradition is centered on divine action, God actually freeing people from bondage and being a part of these, these bigger movements. And to say that God doesn't do that, that God only lures people. Is interesting and I think I might be able to go there with you, but it doesn't quite connect with what I understand about God in my personal life and also in what I read in the Bible.
4: So then why isn't your God answering the prayers of the children in the concentration camps?
0: I ask that all the time.
4: I mean Okay. I right. Mean, so I, I, I don't have an is answer your God for that. A dick?
0: <laughs> Sometimes I think I so. Mean, uh Yeah. I mean, I I can't explain because I'm not God. I, I don't know. I really don't know why. And that when I use the word messy, I really mean messy. Like you have people experiencing their, in their experience of God, they're wrestling, right? They're arguing. And it's in that faithful process that, that they arrive at like this experience of God that is life changing and transforming. I will say, so this is a tiny consolation and probably not enough, but I honestly think like the idea that the universe was created 13.4 billion years ago and God stepped away is completely off. I feel like the universe is continually created all the time, that it's emanating from God's being, that it doesn't exist outside of God. And therefore I can actually thank God for like the solidity of things. I can thank God that there are laws in this universe that keep things going at a certain pace to where I can be an agent, where I get to choose what to do next. Like to to me, that's how I look at all of creation. So to me, it's a continual divine action, and not this like separation between, oh, here's the natural world and laws, and here's God acting. It's all together one thing to me. And but I don't dis- I don't disagree messy.
3: with that. And I th- and I don't think that I mean, it's not like I don't pray or I don't think that prayer is important. But I have to set my intention for what I'm doing in prayer. Like if I'm if I'm praying simply because I hope that God will handle my problems, then I think that we're missing we're missing the point. Um, when I come to Scripture and I see faithful people praying, what I really see them doing is struggling wrestling for their people to be redeemed, wrestling because God is transforming their heart and mind about something they really do not want to do. <laughs> um, it's typically when we come to prayer and we're asking God to do things, we're often sent away with more work to do ourselves. And, the, and so for me, it isn't um, I'm praying to God so that God will hear my prayer and fix it. I'm coming to God and walking away with more work to do.
0: Can't it be both hand, though? I, I mean, like, I, I don't see why it's either has to be us or God. Like, why God has to be limited and why it has to be all us or all God. But God, like,
2: God is us.
0: Yeah, I, I, I hear that. But I think God is more than us, yes. too. Be- like, I I'm not you. I'm not the whole world. I'm not the whole universe. I feel like there's a reality outside of me that I'm interconnected with. But I think there's, like, a reality God is more than that.
2: God is more than all the universe.
0: Yeah, Maybe. Yeah, I think so. But definitely more than just me, even though like I would agree that like God is is using people and would use me. And I also want to clarify one last thing. Like I don't have anything else to necessarily share. This is like just helpful. He's talking about it is that uh, you're I, I absolutely bristle at people saying that God has done something too. like there is there are people who have attributed to God all kinds of awful, terrible things. Or even things that are not awful and terrible, but maybe, how would they know? How would I know that God has done something or not done something? I agree our perception's limited. I agree that people have used baggage language and have attributed things to God that they're just projecting. But I don't think any of that limits the idea that God could do anything.
2: But I, I wonder, like, I think when it comes to God, there's something about God that we have to believe in order to like just walk around what's really cool is like the five of us having this conversation we could probably begin to name what's important to each other when it comes to like who must god be what must god be where must god be how does god act in the world and and i think that maybe that's god's greatest gift god provides however we come to understand god or experience god God provides some sort of purpose, meaning, depth to our lives between birth and death that we hang on to, and we hang on to it strongly. And that's why there's all the wars there are. That's why there's like all this debate and discussion.
4: Well, you know, I have a soft spot for atheists, and I was a fundamentalist, and I've also been an atheist, like genuinely. And function in the world, you know, managed to, to do okay. But even, even oh, as no,
0: I, know, I, I saw a face. <laughs> we, we grew up with, like, if you lose God, you're going to start killing yeah, everyone. Right. Um, but yeah. it,
4: it, 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 to your point, Bonnie, even as an atheist and even in the relationships that I have with current atheists, God occupies a lot of their time and energy.
2: And, you know, I know, I don't know how many atheists listen to this, this podcast. Um,
4: P- quite a few
0: probably so
2: apologies if we're
0: and i know maybe God does not. <laughs> yeah. you there there's a certain kind of like full like and I'm probably because uh Probably because culturally, God has such a powerful uh, narrative, especially in the United sure. States. I could see why, like, for someone who doesn't believe in God, you're on the outside in the United States. Still, even now, you would be in the minority. In Europe, probably not so much. But,
4: like, you know, just, just to throw something out there, I, I've found a lot of value in being in relationship with various humanist associations that trend pretty heavily secular. They're not spending a lot of time on, like, God isn't this, or, you know, look what God did, or you you're idiots for believing in God. They're just like, we're we're trying to help make the world a better place that that's I don't know if I'm making a point, but
1: no, that that is a point. And, and that's the, the, the point that I think is underlining this whole conversation is that we're all coming from a place where the action that you do is better than the action that someone else does because you have the right divinity behind that action. And I think that that's part of what we've all probably deconstructed over the past two decades or one decade or however long it's been. And to me, that's the problem. And we're even now, even now we have, we're having a hard time getting away from that language. You know, God is in this and God is in that. To me, God just is, right? So maybe God exists in action itself. As we move and put stuff out there and and things begin to interconnect and Life is created, and I use that word life by not just you know living and breathing, but moments of awe, moments wait, that are holy. Wait,
3: wait, 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 Jeff, you you don't want to do life with me? <laughs> How I many know. times did you guys hear I, that? How right, many times? So
1: many times, so many times. But but like, but the experience that we have on a regular basis, like what are all these things that we're lamenting in the world around us? What we call evil, they're they're. They're disconnects. They're, they're separations. They're, they're things that don't feel right for a reason because there's not a connection. There's not a flow to it. And I think that when we start using language of does God act and is God in this? It just seems so like, it's not even a conversation I'm like interested in having anymore. Like,
0: that's great. So let me talk. I think that we are totally on different tracks. Seriously. And I want to say this, you said that this was underlying the whole conversation and we're all trying to get away from this language. That's not true. We are, we are on very different paths toward different things. And I think that like this conversation is probably one of the most important ones to have. Cause for me personally, like, the, I the, disagree.
1: Um, I think the reason that you're having a hard time articulating yourself is because you're wrapped in the web of the language that you've been given about God and okay. that you keep saying
0: that's your perspective on where I'm at. And my perspective on yours is that you've reached 18 or 1900s philosophy and you have yet to go even further beyond and to start reclaiming some of the stuff that that you've lost. And that would be us are totally different perspectives on each other. Totally flawed. And, you know, like a, maybe an, an ungenerous read from something different but i've i've been there i've been the whole like losing complete language for god and not ascribing abs- things and like i did that when i was really young when i was in high school like i remember like trying trying to talk to god and be like hey i don't really believe in jesus Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are,
4: are you are you trying to say jeff is where you were when you were in high school he's trying to
0: say that i'm where he was before does, does, does that I make sense? i don't think that's what jeff they're was saying. totally
1: that's not what yeah, I'm saying was, at all. You were saying
0: that I'm, I'm struggling to be articulate because I'm caught in the web of language that I have yet to let go of. And what I'm trying to say is that's not what it looks like to me. I already did that a long time ago. And I feel like I am coming to a so, place where it's actually is it like the opposite. a reclamation. It's a re, yeah, it's a reintegration and realizing God actually does inhabit all of that language in a very real way. So in like a very, cause to me, Christ is the incarnation of God. And I think sometimes our language for God is, it, is, is an incarnation of God. So, too. I mean,
4: it, what's what's interesting is there's there's so many ways to approach this. And your point, Alan, like, yeah, we're we're different. We're clearly distinct in, in in this conversation. This may be the conversation where we are the most differentiated than any in, like, other con- conversation. I do too. And like I I I do too. I Wait, do too. So we just have very different definitions yeah. of what a miracle. I mean, it's it's, it's it's a whole different thing. But but so but the, the common language. So you know, in G, the Gospels, where Jesus has heals the ten lepers, right? Um, nine of them take off; they're like living life. And the one dude comes back, and he's like, "Why are you back here? You know, why aren't you doing the stuff?" And you know, he comes back to thank Jesus, whatever. And my my spin on that is, Jesus is genuinely like, dude, what the hell are you doing back here? I have done this for you. Go, go live life to the fullest. You know, I I, I don't want you to be sitting here at my feet. You could have done that as a leper, because I'm cool with lepers. But you're you're okay. You don't need to be doing this homage and throwing me alms and like bowing I down thought to that me. That was a.
0: I thought that that was like a a uh thing about faithfulness and like uh
2: that's the old language Alan
0: gratitude. That's that that the old is, language. That that leopard is the old language. Because to me that Because he was a Samaritan and he saw what the other people did G- not see. Jesus that he was Jesus a, a liberative
4: force. He desires for us to go live fully, not hang around and worship him at, I in totally an agree. idolatrous way.
0: I totally agree. Yes. He sent out he sent out people all the time, but in that specific setting, like he's talking about a foreigner being blessed because he was the only one who truly saw what Jesus was and was like rendering gratitude. And maybe that's an old reading, but Yeah. Like I, I agree I, with you that Jesus sends us out, op- but it doesn't Offering mean a different that, like, perspective. And so you're saying that the faithful thing for me to do is to leave language behind and not reclaim it. Because that, that, that's the context of the conversation is that you're saying the most faithful thing for me to do is to move into the mystical, to leave language behind. To n- and, and my problem with all of that is, is it doesn't accurately reflect my experience of God or like w- the good I think that we need to be doing in the world. You have to have language for that.
3: I, I didn't take it as Rajiv telling you to do anything. I think he was just offering a different perspective on how he reads. Yeah, it's, like,
4: it's like we have the same – Set of language as Christians we've got the Hebrew scriptures, we have the New Testament, but there's a thousand different ways even more than that to to interpret and understand what what the God yeah and is. I'm not saying you leave language behind I'm saying that you you have to be
1: aware and recognize where the language that you've been given is problematic. And I yes. think that when you're talking about how you believe in answered prayer, I think you believe that. And I know you believe that. But that language means something else to to like so many people. Like what, is, like what does that mean? And I think that the reason – because we've been given such a narrow view or na- a narrow vocabulary for God or we've just been given – platitudes about who God is, God answered prayer, God keeps God's promises, all that kind of stuff, that unless we – take that language, I think part of reviving that language is then providing a base of explanation for what we mean when we say that. And I think that it's not an abandonment of language, it's an evolution of language, it's an embracing of language. It's it's to me what we've done with the Bible, right? We still hold the Bible so dear, especially you and I, Alan, like so dear, and it is because what we've been given evangelicalism, <laughs> in
0: evangelicalism... <you> sorry. <laughs> I know.
1: We, you and I, Alan, we're the only you, ones
3: who value the Bible. No, but
1: you, you know what I mean?
0: Like you guys, yes, I know exactly. When we what talked, you mean. When we I,
1: had this conversation <laughs> before. <it> was like <laughs>
0: theology, and we didn't go to PSR. So that's what he's trying to say.
1: But what I'm saying is, is that. The... Holding it loosely brought brought more value for it to us because we understood that it was wider than we've been given. So when we say God has answered prayers, I think if we are going to use that in a progressive Christian context, and I'm just using this as an example, then we have the responsibility to bring with it a new explanation behind those words. And if we don't, then all we're doing is muddying the waters. Right. We need an updated glossary. Yes, or an axiom, or whatever.
2: And I think that um, I'm reading this book on. The after effects of being part of a high control group, like we all were part of, where spiritual or religious indoctrination infiltrated our minds all the time on a continual basis, and we we kind of lived in that world. And the after effects are, are, you know, they're huge and are often not examined as part of the deconstruction process. Like we might examine language, we might examine things that we've been taught, belief systems and so on, but what about the modes by which we approach these belief systems? We don't often examine that, and that has also been fed to us through our spiritual and religious formations.
0: Which is what's happening right now mm-hmm. is like we're seeking we're seeking a monolith because that's what we came exactly. from. There was only one way to think and one way to be spiritual in the world. And I think someone can be faithful and not believe in miracles and not pray like I do. And and like to me that that there is a whole realm of interacting with spirituality and with the divine that I would consider legitimate and that I like partner with, even though I do something. Differently. And I think that's great. And so. So I wouldn't say just like an axiom or like a set of language, but like multiple axioms and sets of language for people who arrive at different places. I'm really worried that like progressive Christianity is trying to recreate the very thing. Like you're saying, Bonnie, like we're our modes of, of doing faith. We're trying to recreate the very thing that we came from, which is we're all on the same page and we all experience or have to talk about God the same way.
3: You know what I mean? Where do you experience that? Because I do not experience
0: that. No, even in this conversation that like, I, I don't know, like we're, 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 we're at different places. Right. And I think that like that, rather than trying to come to some common ground, it's nice to honor those different places.
1: Yeah, I agree. Does that make sense? I see what you're saying. I see, I see, I see a thread of fundamentalism in progressive Christianity. That's what I'm trying to say.
0: Yes. In the wider progressive Christianity is like, no, we are all against this. We are all against that. And what I'm that's not actually true. The individual people that I interact with, they're different. You know, they don't have an entire like progressive monolith where they sign the sixteen things. Everyone's against atonement right. theory. That's and, how it you should know, be. Everyone is. <laughs>
3: <See>? <laughs> <laughs> Just no, like no, what no, I'm, I, saying, no, I'm and, saying, I'm saying, I'm that. That's how it should be. That we shouldn't agree.
2: Yeah, we right, shouldn't right, right.
3: sign on to anything. You know, I I have people come to me all the time and say things like, "Did God." answer this specific thing and my response is well what do you think and their response typically is well yes and my response is then praise god
0: see i think that is beautiful to me that's like exactly what this conversation should be about in my mind and and i do agree that sometimes we have to, we would disagree with people who think they're doing god's will or something and it's like, I agree that it gets messy there, but still there is a sense of humility, right? That we don't always determine what God is or is not doing. And you can take a step back and be like, hey, I have a, I have my own perspective, but it doesn't necessarily negate the fact that that could be the case.
4: I mean, I, I think that the, one of the things that we're revealing just as a product of this conversation and even our points of contention is pluralism is hard. You know, to, to be in relationship with people who actually believe differently than you, I mean, believe differently than you and still be in relationship is, is not easy and it can be uncomfortable.
2: I, I think the reason why pluralism is hard, and this is going to throw a huge wrench into this conversation, it's probably we're going to have to end and then move on. And But I think <laughs> one reason why pluralism is is hard is because we're so attached to this idea of monotheism. And so I think I would love to open the conversation about whether or not monotheism,
4: monotheism is still bullshit.
2: has a place in the world.
1: Wow no. what what's what's an epilogue to an epilogue <laughs> like what's that called? <laughs> because I think this conversation just we we have we have a topic that's for a future blown date.
0: Up. Are we talking be
2: about one god or many gods? That's really the question.
0: Yeah, that's got to be another episode. Well, that's been the question. That, yeah, that's that's a historic question for sure. All right, let's, let's,
1: let's write it down and do it. So let's, we, we this has been a, <laughs> it's been a long one. Uh, so let's, uh, let's kind of give some final thoughts. Uh, no reaction. Everyone gets a last word. No one gets challenged. And then we'll move on to our, our segment and we'll just, we'll let the conversation extend out into our audience. And uh, hopefully we'll hear from all of you about your thoughts on this very interesting conversation. So Casey, let, let's start with you. Final thoughts
3: it has been said today that uh that the perspective is that there is nothing that that there is nothing and that god just walked away and i would say look harder i'm inviting you not to not to believe that there is nothing but rather that it's everything and the more you uh look and notice the more you will find
4: rajiv so so the The smart ass side of me wants to say, believe what you want to believe. Just don't be a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Like God. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) But, but I think the deeper thing is, is, is like that. It's just, you know, jump into this stuff. If you feel something calling you jump in, you know, swim in that Go go in the deep end. Yeah. It's scary, but do it, you know, do it. And then, and then when you reflect on it, be really thoughtful And, um, with yourself first and then whoever you trust to share it with, uh, because this stuff is big, but it's, it's, you know, I, I believe, I believe that we as, as human beings are are reaching out for something bigger than ourselves and just, you know, do it. Yeah. And, and then if you are in friendship with people that believe differently than you, just embrace them and, um, you know, walk, walk hand in hand and sing Kumbaya. (laughs) Bonnie.
2: Um, I think one of the most awesome things that human beings can do is situate themselves on a quest on this epic spiritual quest and to find uh, partners to be on the quest on the journey with. Um, That's right. So I can't say I know anything, but I sure love to talk about this stuff.
3: And I'm glad that we're all on the quest together.
2: Ellen.
0: <laughs> uh, everything that Rajiv said do what works for you, practice, do different things. And lastly, it's okay to be wrong. Sometimes I've said God has done something in the past that wasn't true and you can let that go and you can also embrace. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to let all of it go, that God is completely um, inactive in your life and in your world. And a lot of that just comes from being open to being wrong. That's an okay part of the process.
1: All right. And I would say that God is a troll. Where there is a bridge, God is there. <laughs> You're going to hell, Jess. So, uh, so add your voice to this particular conversation and comment. I know. And comment in the show notes at IrenaCast. Dot com slash 147 also in the show notes you'll find a relative link or uh, relevant links to all the things that we've talked about uh, that's irenicast.com slash 147 uh, on the other side of the music we're gonna see how this goes and we're introducing a new segment called praise protest pray to Praise, protest, pray to. Uh, we got into a bit of a cheeky conversation the last night, really, and thought that this might be a fun segment to do. So I think most of us are familiar with the old old game. I don't know how old it is. Uh, F, marry, kill, where you're given three people and you have to pick which one you are going to do, which one you're going to marry, and which one you are going to kill. Uh, so we decided that's a little... Heavy for, (laughs) I guess this. It's uh, so played out. Right, right, right. So we're 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 on the threshold of something new, of something you know more more positive. So we decided, well, what if if we're talking about God and we're having this whole divine nature thing? Jesus,
0: juking it. Right, right,
1: exactly. (laughs) So what if instead of f marrying and killing someone, we decided we would praise, protest, or pray to them? And we have each of us have come up with three names and then the other hosts have to say which one they will praise, which one they will protest and which one they would pray to. Uh this is entirely I, I don't know what everyone picked. Uh I know that the the ones that I picked are going to make things uncomfortable and uh <laughs> we are not Making any statements that uh, who we like or dislike, this is just a fun exercise in just being a little cheeky with the language that we've been given uh, for deities and Christian leaders and leaders in general. So if
0: you somehow made it this far, congratulations. It was nice knowing you. Right. (laughs) There's so many other podcasts you can listen to.
4: (laughs) I had the same thought about three quarters of the way through. (laughs) All right, let's do it.
1: Let's do let's it. Let's do it. All right, let, Casey, go ahead. Give us your 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 three people:
3: James Dobson, Billy Graham, and Rick Warren. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I got to write these down. This is good. <laughs> I just wrote yeah, it down. That's good. hilarious.
1: <laughs> okay, I got it. I will I will praise Graham because I think he's the most neutral of the two. Uh, I will protest Dobson, and I will pray to Warren because he's got cash, and if I pray to him, I might get some. (laughs)
0: That's right. I'm actually going to go the opposite. So I am going to protest Billy Graham because of his descendants. Uh, (laughs) I am going to uh, praise Rick Warren, because that's the Christian thing to do in every Christian circle that I come from. And I am going to pray to James Dobson because – it may not be great, but he can get stuff done. All right.
2: Okay. I'm my. I'm going to protest James Dobson because I think he's done so much to hurt um, families. I'm going to pray to Billy Graham because I think that he's the least awful out of the three. And um, I'm going to praise Rick Warren because he gets stuff done. Have you been to his church? It's like, it's amazing you know he took it from what 20 people or something to this huge
4: we we attended there for a while
2: yeah we did so i back. wasn't I wasn't gonna say that, but yeah. okay. I
3: cannot believe you just said that. Secretly, oh my That's God. why you're oh, yeah. praising him. No, we did I'm, yeah. Look, I'm look. I I finally have found my that liberal judge judginess that Alan was talking about. I think I just found it. <laughs> Your fundamentalist
1: yeah. is showing, Casey.
3: I know,
2: <laughs> but it was while we were Seventh Day Adventists, so it was very very radical to and go we, to a but church we, on but Sunday. We
4: went, we went on Saturday afternoon, though, yo. Yeah, so we were still going to church on Sabbath. Okay, so I've got um. I'm actually going to get a little serious here at the end, but um, I'm going to protest James Dobson for all the obvious reasons. Pray to Billy Graham, because, I mean, I don't know. There's something about the dude he has this kind of iconic status. And, and I don't know. I th- I think he was a decent person. Uh, and my parents just loved him. So there's there's that. Uh, and praise Rick Warren. And, and this is where I'm going to get serious for a second. Um, Rick Warren's son struggled with mental health for a long time and committed suicide. And Rick Warren's response, you know, the letter that he wrote of, about that was so deeply moving as, as a father of a son who has also had uh, some struggles with with uh, mental illness. Uh, it just it really spoke to me. Um, so there was a deep connection on that. So just props to Rick Warren for not sweeping that stuff under the rug and, and um, actually offering some real good help for for people. Um uh, it was great it really it was great role modeling in, in that way. I don't agree with this theology, but there's that. Sorry to bring it down. Sorry right. to bring it down. Who wants who wants to oh, go next?
0: Cool. I can go next. Okay, so the three that I'm doing I'm gonna propose to you are Anne Lamont, Brene Brown, and Nadia weber
3: <laughs> Yes. Oh I love oh. this one. Oh, dang. Oh, now it's hard, though, because I have to (laughs) protest one. I would um, praise Anne Lamott, because I think she is phenomenal. I would protest Nadia Bolsweber, because... um, She can handle it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I would pray to um, Brene Brown, because... um, Actually her her first book um, on vulnerability was like like transformative to my faith um, actually her and Anne Lamott, both of their books were really transformative to my faith as I have journeyed so yeah I would just have to protest um, Nadia because she can handle it I guess
1: I'm same boat as Casey like that's exactly the same route I would have gone and and primarily just protesting Nadia Weber because she's the least influential. To me personally, and it's like, well, my allegiance lies somewhere else. <laughs> Even though I really nice. <laughs> I really appreciate Boltzweber's approach. I think there needs to be more I think there needs to be more brash female voices in our space. And I, I, I appreciate what she brings to the table. So I'm just uh reflecting the vibe she puts out by protesting.
4: So I'm gonna I think go. she would
3: appreciate people protesting her, by the way. Yeah. Right.
4: Um. So Anne Lamott, I'm going to pray to her, just because I think she's kind of in tune with those freaky frequencies <laughs> that, that are, you know, magical yes! and prayerful. You know? I'm I'm with you on that. Oh yeah, I God. love her. She's she's so great freaky that way. Freaky
3: frequencies, Rajiv. I'm all about those freaky <laughs> frequencies. She's in, she's in
0: touch with the divine. That's for sure. Yeah.
4: Uh, praise for Brene Brown. I mean, it's just it's nonstop. She has. Man, she's just helping everybody be better human beings. It, it's, it's incredible. And I'm an eight. I think Nadia Bolts Weber is also an eight. So I just want to fight her, like do a cage match to do a fundraiser. So I'm going to be like, come on, Nadia. You know, she probably <laughs> so kick my ass. we can watch ass. her kick your ass? she probably kick my ass. But we'd be raising money for a good cause, man. <laughs> That's right. We'd be right. raising money for a good cause.
0: There'd be a lot of cussing in that match.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That could be the whole thing. Just going
0: to cuss at each other for an hour. (laughs)
2: Totally. So mine's exactly like yours, Rajiv, which is probably no surprise. So I would, I would pray to Annie Lamott for sure. She's been like, she's been an idol. I'm surprised I don't, I have had her picture like up in my mirror. So it's totally, um, and then praise Brene Brown, uh, just because her work is so amazing. and protest Nadia bolz weber because like that's the soul of who she is. She's a Protestant like through and through. So protest is to honor her and and what she gives to the world.
4: Yay.
3: Bonnie, what's yours? What is your... Uh, who's your oh, list? you
2: guys are going to hate me. But, okay, so since we were talking about God it made me think about some theologians so okay. here are my 3 Martin Luther John Calvin or and Jan Hus
1: Okay I don't know who that last one is I'm just putting that out there Okay <laughs> Oh really
2: John Hus is like another way but
1: So I'm going to I'm going to I'll I'll just go I'm going to pray to him okay. because there's an unknown mis- <laughs> mystery about it
0: <laughs> cuz he's uh, a, a mysterious mister. figure and, I,
1: and I'm going to uh I'm going to praise Calvin and I'm going to protest Luther because he's a Nazi.
3: <laughs> oh my god!
1: Yeah, yeah, he kind of is. His anti-Semitism was deep, so
3: that's that's my uh, <laughs> that's my. Hopefully, three.
2: Nadia didn't hear that.
3: Right. That's right. <laughs> well, but she, she beat, would agree. I, yeah, <laughs> I'm also going to pray to Huss because he's a mystery to me.
1: Ah, oh, thank you, Casey. Uh, but
3: I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to uh I'm going to protest Calvin because I don't believe in works righteousness. <laughs> and I grew up Lutheran, so there you go.
0: I will um pray to Luther because rituals are really important for his people. And I am going to praise Huss because he was one of the OG, one of the first ones to reform. From the the Catholic Church, which is fantastic, and uh not 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 that Catholicism is bad, all my friends out there and lastly, I'm gonna protest Calvin because he tried to burn someone at the stake, and uh he's responsible for so much of the and maybe it's misreadings of him if you're a Calvinist and you can like fight me or whatever in the message boards, but I almost got into fist fights when I was in um college. Even though I wasn't against Calvinism, Calvinists were very passionate, and um, I'm going to protest all of that
4: passion because it's bad. All right, so I'm going to protest Calvin just for the same reason Casey protests him. I'm going to praise Luther just because <laughs> you know reluctantly praise Luther.
0: Can that can that be our cold open? <laughs>
4: Rob and Rajiv
0: just being like, I'm going to praise Luther. <laughs>
4: because <laughs> i mean you know he did some shit and uh you know got himself exiled and he they were trying brave. to kill him yeah so it's you know some of that gutsy stuff and huss i mean the bohemian reformation if you're not familiar look it up this dude was awesome man he predates all these guys and uh it was actually pretty cool um certainly for his day so i'd pray to him be like <laughs> oh open my eyes. Oh bohemian one. He 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 was the the uh reformer before Reformation was cool.
0: The the original hipster. Yeah.
4: Yeah you should check him out. His his the iconography is cool. He's got a great beard. This is gonna be good. Uh, maybe not. Um Rob Bell. <laughs> it's already amazing. <laughs> Oprah Winfrey <laughs> and Richard Rohr.
3: I knew. Woo, look, this is my great. other one was Yay. look. My other one was Richard Rohr, Rob Bell, <laughs> and Joyce Myers. Oh, oh. Joyce Myers! I, I that's had Give me though. Hey, that's I had Joyce
0: Myers until <laughs> until I thought of Nadia Boltsweber. I was going go oh to go my Joyce god. Myers too. Oh my god! Oh god! That's so
4: funny. I'll say it again: <laughs> Rob Bell, Oprah Winfrey, Richard Rohr. All right, I'm praying to Oprah. No question,
1: <laughs> I'm praying to Oprah.
4: <laughs> uh, you need a private
1: jet, do you? I I need I just need Oprah, <laughs> I just I just need more of Oprah, I need in, my Oprah in my life. <laughs> I'm changing all my worship songs from God to Oprah, Oprah, Uh and I I'll praise Roar, and I will protest Rob Bell. I think Roar deserves praise. I'm not always on board with Roar. I mean, I, I maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe our audience just left. <laughs> Cause no, I know he's like, sure he's like, he's like the, this space he's is Yoda, he's uh, but I'll <laughs> sure praise him. Right. I, I, I like his stuff. I like his stuff. I think he gives us good things to think about. And while I personally do enjoy Rob Bell, I think that, uh, what Rob Bell represents sometimes, I think, you know, unintentionally, but a little bit of privilege and, and whiteness and all that stuff. I would, I'll protest Rob Bell. Um, yeah. So there's my, there's my three.
0: I'm also protesting Rob Bell. Well, only because he doesn't make NUMA videos anymore, so I don't know how to be a cool Christian. <laughs> I've lost it. And I am praising Oprah Winfrey because you have to. Um, it's a rec- it's a law. And then lastly, I'm going to pray to Richard Rohr because I feel like his gentle hands would carry my prayers up to the throne of God. <laughs> he would You're have something. time out of all You're three something. of those to listen Why? to my prayers. Why do you
4: think he has gentle hands? <laughs>
0: Just by the way he writes with
4: them. <laughs> wow.
3: Oh, God. I uh, I would I would praise. Um, I would praise Oprah. I would pray to Richard Rohr, and I would also protest Rob Bell for not making Numa videos. That's a good one. I'll give you that. <laughs> Why are okay, not more people praying page. to Oprah? I don't understand this. I thought this we're was a no, I no praying. Like so. I don't know why we're not praying to Oprah. I just don't. Right. Because Richard Rohr has gentle hands. <laughs> Her
0: <laughs> That's what I was saying. <laughs> no, I feel like he'd have time. He'd have time to listen, you know, and write them mm. down in the book.
2: I'm praying to Oprah.
1: Thank you, Bonnie.
0: Yeah,
2: definitely um out of the 3, A I can I don't car. I can't imagine praying to the other two. So definitely praying to Oprah um praising richard Rohr, i think he does offer a lot to the world and also protesting rob bell
3: we are not trendy we are not the cool kids we are all
0: protesting Rob.
3: we bell. are this protesting
2: the cool kids of uh oh, progressive no. christianity
3: right now
4: right hanging yeah. out with the old dude with the soft hands
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness <laughs>
1: We could scratch that off our guest list from the he, show. When, when, <laughs> he I, moisturizes.
0: When, I, when I meet him at like Wild Goose or whatever, I'm gonna send you guys a, a picture and a text message and be like, see, I was right.
4: I, I was don't want right. to see that picture yeah. of his <laughs> soft hands all over you. You should body. have him behind you reaching around with his hands on your on your breast. <laughs> on my breast. <laughs> Shirtless. Shirtless.
0: Uh, I'll have him take a picture of me, not shirtless. That actually sounds really bad. Just as a side note, it's my dream to have celebrities take pictures of me without them in the picture, <laughs> just so I will. can like I don't know, just so I can say that someone you know they took a picture of me.
3: Jeff, are you are you next?
1: I am. I, everyone else has given their three, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm going with the unholy trinity: the Antichrist, the Beast,
0: Here we and go. the False Prophet. Jerry Falwell Jr. Sorry,
1: <laughs> yes, the yeah. false prophet of, Jerry Falwell, of course. Yay. the beast, Jerry Falwell,
4: Mike Pence, and the Antichrist Donald Trump.
0: Whoa,
2: I almost did that.
4: I, I'm going to try to go first because yes, I mean, go. I the truth is, fuck them all. I, I, it's like <laughs> pray to or praise any one of them. I, no, I know. Well, I know that. That's why I put them out there. Like, well, that's yeah, I this mean, is the
3: point of the game, right?
4: <clears throat> that's the fun of the game. Okay, because um, <laughs> then I could take these clips and of someone saying "pray to" or whatever, okay. <laughs> just put them out there.
1: <laughs> that's
0: true. I can go. I, I know what mine are. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna praise Jerry Falwell Jr. Because when he threatened to take a gun out of his pants and wave it around at the college campus he was speaking at, he didn't do that. He said, no, you know what? I'll just leave it back there. So I'm going to praise him for that. Very good move. I am going to protest Mike Pence because I think he's actually a sincere Christian as opposed to Donald Trump and everyone else who like uses it for whatever political gain. And I feel like it's on him more than anyone else to freaking cut that shit out. Oh, my God. And lastly, I'm going to pray to Donald Trump because I don't want to be sent away if I don't.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I cannot with you. What? That was good. <laughs>
0: that, yeah,
4: that is good. It's just so close to I'm not going to do either. the Shadrach,
0: Meshach, and Abednego thing. I'm going yeah. to bow down. You're going to bow down.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to go in that fiery furnace? <laughs>
4: right? Look, there's a fourth. Richard Rohr, soft, with soft hands caressing you in the fire. Richard Rohr with
3: the soft hands.
2: <laughs> oh my god,
3: that needs to be a meme. Okay, I'm yeah. gonna I I'm gonna I'm gonna praise. Uh, oh god, this
0: is so hard. I like hearing you say this. This is funny.
3: I will praise Jerry Falwell Jr. I will. Uh, I'm sorry, Casey. I,
1: yeah, I didn't hear that. Can
3: you say that again, please? <laughs> no, I will not. <laughs> Because I'm I'm on the verge of throwing up actually. I will uh pray to Mike Pence. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a legitimate, like visceral response to this. Yeah. And I will protest till the day I am put away, Donald Trump.
4: Yeah, I'm I'm actually right in line with Casey. And I think that's all I can say.
0: You have to say it. You have <laughs> to loud. say it. Oh my god. It's part of the game.
4: Praise Jerry Falwell. Pray to Mike Pence. Protest Donald Trump.
0: <laughs> Doesn't
4: that feel so disgusting?
3: Doesn't that feel so
4: terrible? I feel so Yay. dirty. Oh, my God. Oh goodness. I feel this like is the dirty first dirty time when I said I've, Santa wasn't real. I've done a lot real. of bad, bad things like. in my life. This is like...
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is the dirtiest segment we've had on our <laughs> in a cast so far. Oh, I, oh goodness.
2: I just... I I just wrote down the names in the order that I wrote them down in. I just put, I, you know, I just decided based on that <laughs> what I was going to do. So it turned out that Jerry Falwell gets the praise. Mike Pence.
0: <laughs> you say gets the praise.
2: <laughs> Mike Pence is protested, and uh, Donald Trump is prayed for. No, pray.
0: <laughs> That's no, not the game. No, you you no,
4: mixed no, that, that up. We all played it. We all played the okay. game.
2: Pray to Donald Trump. Bonnie, like, That's your face be my is just
0: turned green. Oh That's going to be my ringtone on my phone is Bonnie saying pray to Donald Trump <laughs> <laughs> over and over.
2: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh,
0: Jeff, that oh, was my God. a great way to end it. That was terrible.
4: Old guy with the soft was, hands. Thank you, Jeff.
1: You're welcome. Yeah. That was that was beautiful. That was wonderful. Well, <laughs> that'll do it for us this week. Uh, this extra episode of Irenicast, uh, and also extra long, supersized. Uh, Very extra. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very extra. Summer bonanza.
0: I, I love you guys so much. Oh, thank you goodness. for being extra with me so great
1: all right Alan how can uh, people hear more of your thoughts on God and (laughs) don't say
0: it that way (laughs) (laughs) your family you can't do do that do do you have more thoughts on the matter (laughs) no that was it actually surprisingly Uh, find me on Facebook and connect feel free to friend me Um, that's Rev Alan O'Brien or something like that at Facebook Bonnie
2: um, I at Rev Bonnie Rambob at, on Facebook, and also at Parkside Community Church in Sacramento. As long as they don't fire me after this
0: episode, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great, Casey. How about you? Fifty-fifty chance.
3: Uh, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Rev Casey Tenen, or you can check out my blog or Instagram uh, at the Queerly Faithful Pastor, and uh, my church's webpage lumisucc dot Rajiv. Uh, Facebook and Twitter at RevRajRambob. Uh,
1: you can follow me on all the socials at Jeff Minildi and listen to my other podcast, Divine Cinema at DivineCinema.net. As for Irenicast, don't forget to subscribe to the show and never miss an episode. We're available on all major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Pandora, and all many more all of them so and if the platform allows it, while you're there leave us a late a rating and or review we're always looking for more and more ways to hear from you so for this week i'm jeff i'm alan i'm bonnie this is casey and this is rajiv thanks for joining the conversation